0: Episode 131 of the Gambos Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode, Christian finished Station 11, and we have some new television series shows that have uh, started releasing that I wanted to talk to Christian about briefly. I finished the new 52 run of Hawk and Dove. Uh, Christian has started a new book as well, and we're going to quickly talk about some other book news. Christian and I both watched the movie Vampire Academy, and we'll get into that in a moment, but first, Christian, in our gaming news, I, I like beat a game this week, but I feel like the, the biggest thing, the elephant in the room that happened in the past week uh, since we recorded was Microsoft is set to buy Activision Blizzard for nearly $70 billion.
1: Did you hear about this? I did, and I cannot believe anyone is willing to touch Activision after the year that they've had. I mean, sure, they've had a terrible year,
0: but... <laughs> i mean microsoft bought them for ips call of duty is every for like a decade has been the number one selling game every year uh you get overwatch which is hugely popular when it came out and still has a strong player base i mean you get world of warcraft in there which is not what it once was but i mean it still has a monthly player base weirdly uh microsoft now owns crash bandicoot and spyro
1: which is Is crazy those are the two that yeah those were the ones when I read that I was like, oh man those are like PlayStation's mascots you also know they also own banjo kazooie
0: which I think <laughs> is most heavily related to the n64 which is again crazy because they own rare uh I mean I have all well I have I don't have the newest Xbox but I have all three consoles I am a much bigger PlayStation. Gamer, I know you are as well. I am curious your thought, and if you have any thoughts, fears, trepidations of this.
1: Uh, I mean, not really. Honestly, I think the last Activision Blizzard game I played would have been like the Spyro Reignited trilogy, so it's it's not really my. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I don't play video games really that much at all, just in general. But no, I mean, it's uh, it's interesting to see big name playstation exclusive like that going to like a, a wider fan base but i think all in all that's probably good i don't know i i know i have friends that only ever had xboxes and like when the the spyro games were re-released and now they're they're gonna be able to get to play them and i think that's good ultimately
0: those were uh the Reignite trilogy was all on third-party consoles already oh uh, was it yeah, um, because Activision bought Blizzard a while ago, and I forget when they picked up the Spyro rights and stuff, but I guess maybe they've had them for a while. I don't know the history of Spyro too much. I, I am more worried about this, I think, than you are, just because I play predominantly on the PlayStation, and I cannot imagine Microsoft is buying these franchises with the intent of keeping them third-party. Like This seems like something they're going to try and bolster Game Pass. And to be fair, the only two series I play for that has been bought was I played I play a lot of Overwatch. Um, (laughs) So I don't know if I'll be playing Overwatch 2 or not. And uh, then the Spyro Reignited Trilogy, I didn't really care for the Crash uh, remaster that much. So I I think it'll be interesting to see what Microsoft does. I mean, they bought Bethesda last year for seven billion dollars, which seemed insane at the time. (sighs) Uh, they're really building. They they clearly couldn't develop their own first party game, so they just bought some <laughs> of the biggest players in the industry. I I think this is uh, I think this is a warning bell for the industry. Though we're going to lose out on a lot of big third party publishers, which I think is a bad thing. Yeah, that's certainly possible. I hadn't really thought about it. Now uh, we'll see, though. I mean. Why I like the PS4 generation so much was third-party publishing had become so big. Almost the only exclusive games were, like, in-house developed ones for the most part. So mm-hmm. uh, I think we're going back to the era where everything is more exclusive, which was not as much fun for me, unlike the <laughs> the
1: old days. That's, as long as Microsoft doesn't buy Guerrilla games, and I can keep playing Horizon forever. <laughs>
0: I like how you're like, I don't play video games that much, but I think you have to be like one of the top percenters of people who played Horizon Zero Dawn.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. I was
0: like two years ago, and it was like 290 something hours into
1: (laughs) Now, to be fair, a lot of that is from uh, just my bad habits of (laughs) the way I live, because when I'm done playing PlayStation, I'll just pause it and turn the TV off. And so a, a lot of that time, I'm sure, is from it just kind of idling before it goes into rest mode. <laughs> oh man. So we'll
0: see we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I think I mean Microsoft spent so much money like as a company. I think they said they spent half of their cash on hand, which is kind of crazy. Oh my God. Um, and also, I don't know, like we can get really into this. I'm curious how Microsoft's going to handle this studio because prior to them buying up everyone, they didn't have the best track record of developing in-house studios. And like you said, Activision had all those sexual uh, abuse allegations um, between both Activisions, Bobby Kotick, and Blizzard had all that stuff like beforehand. Like it was a one-two punch to them. It has to actually. I have to imagine that's part of the reason they are able to get them for only seventy billion dollars. <laughs> only. You're right.
1: Imagine having control of seventy billion dollars that you could just spend on something. So this number is so large that <laughs> it's like
0: inconceivable. It well, it's like it's actually like sixty-eight point something billion dollars, and we're rounding up like a like <laughs> the amount of money that they bought Facebook bought um, Oculus for like eight years ago, which was a huge number at the time. Like this is such a big number that's a rounding error. Yeah. So what did Facebook buy Instagram for? No idea. Uh, the only one I know is Oculus. Is it was just under two? It was like one point eight billion or something, which was big news then.
1: That's what I thought. Facebook bought Instagram for a billion. Yeah, I
0: mean, Fox bought so this Disney is bought Seventy Fox, times that. Disney bought Fox's stuff for like sixty-seven billion. That's like the closest thing that has been is is those two. I think for at least an acquisition of this, it's not a tech acquisition, which is half a trillion dollars but for just ip rights this is crazy
1: yeah at a certain point numbers just become like no longer you like you you can't there's no reference frame for them (laughs) right like i i have no idea what 70 billion dollars even is (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly
0: all right also for our gaming segment i finally platinumed medieval which is a remake of a playstation one game i don't know if you ever played that one christian did you
1: i did not uh, it's
0: it's a it's not a platformer it's like a light platformer like late platforming action game um they really updated the graphics like it looks great compared to the ps1 its ps1 predecessor and i think the story is amazing um for the limited amount it is the premise is you play uh cl- like this renowned hero daniel fortescue where everyone in this uh the land of Galamir loves him. He's revered as a hero for delete defeating the villain that like returns in this game. But the true story was that he was the first person to die in that battle, and like everyone else, defeated this guy. But due to <laughs> history being unclear, he was championed as the hero of Galamir. So this guy comes back, and now like he he gets he, the bad guy reanimates the dead, and the main hero comes back. So you're playing a corpse that is trying to regain his honor at his second chance of actually defeating this guy.
1: Oh yeah, this is the little skeleton guy. Yes. And it's... I never played this game, but I remember I, I remember it from like back in the old Playstation One era. I remember it being around.
0: It definitely feels like a game of its time. I mean it's it's like set into twenty levels. The controls are not the tightest and the platforming can be kind of frustrating. Like it's a similar issue I had with the Crash Bandicoot one like Crash oh, Bandicoot God. one in the insane trilogy was The jumping just felt a little bit off, which fortunately on this one, they don't really rely on jumping too much. And the only times I really died in this game was when I had to jump because it's just like (laughs) instant death jumps. I know when this game came out, people were complaining about the difficulty too, which I guess like the first couple levels are a little close. But this game gives you so much health. Like there's only one or two instances where I felt like I actually might have gotten it came over. Um, but it's it's a fun little game. 20 levels. It took me maybe 10 hours to platinum. Oh um,
1: uh, yeah, it's not bad.
0: Not at all. Uh, the only issue I had with it was to get the platinum, you had to replay all the levels. But once you replay, like once you play them once, you're not collecting everything 100%. So you can kind of blow through them. And some of these levels you can complete in like under three minutes. Mm. The longest one is maybe like six or seven. So it's a pretty quick uh, replay of a run like of the game i would definitely recommend people check it out though especially if they have fond memories of that playstation one game it's it's not on the level of the spyro remake which i think is like the gold standard of playstation that era playstation one or n64 whatever remakes Um, and i know a lot of people like the crash bandicoot ones i didn't like those as much but I, i think this one's one step below spyro for me Right, and this week, me and Christian watched the movie Vampire Academy. This is directed by Mark Waters, who has a very directing career, which includes Freaky Friday, Mean Girls, Mr. Popper's Penguins, and Bad Santa too. so leans more heavily into the comedy side. And, oh boy, Christian, like, looking at your notes, I think me and you have very different opinions of this movie. Might be our best episode ever. Possibly. So, just to give people a uh, background on this, this is... This movie is based off of uh, the first novel in a young adult paranormal romance series. First published in 2007, which I have to guess was trying to capitalize on the Twilight stuff because... Oh,
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah, I don't know when Twilight came out, but I know that first movie came out around then.
1: The first Twilight was published in 2005. So this was this was written in like the height of Vampire Mania. Yeah, And I feel like the movie came out basically right at the tail end of Vampire Mania, like right when right. everybody was kind of done.
0: Well, because this came out in 2014, which I I don't know the Twilight history. I just remember that when I was in college, it was still being released in theaters because people would get excited about it on campus. And that was like, 2014 was two years after I graduated, so...
1: And, and it was two years after the last Twilight movie had come out. Okay, so... so per- at, At this point, I feel like people had transitioned into the Hunger Games series, and they were kind of done with vampires.
0: And I would even say, like, Twilight had to have lost some of its appeal after the first couple movies. Like, it kind of became a meme, and people made fun Mm, of it. You would think that.
1: But, But, (laughs) having worked at a movie theater through all five of those movies, I can tell you that at no point did the crowd ever get smaller. That's crazy to me.
0: I guess people are in it.
1: It was really, it was like working through the Harry Potters. Like, the Harry Potter movies never lost popularity, neither did the Twilights. Uh, Hunger Games did, and certainly the Divergent series, which they never even made the fourth movie for, which is something I'm obsessed with. Uh, <laughs> that one tanked pretty hard as, as it went on, but the Twilights and the Harry Potters, they stayed strong through all, of their, all their movies. Oh. This one, on the other hand
0: the only i mean i do have a note on this one
1: (laughs) i won't tell you the box office numbers but this
0: movie did not perform well
1: no and the the note if it's the one that i'm thinking of i did know about previously (laughs) and i do think it's very funny but but just just as an an overview for the plot so this is a kind of like a twilight meets harry potter it is a like school as as the title would Imply it is an academy for vampires. It is just high school where these vampires go to class at night and learn how to do magic because the vampires are apparently also benders from like Avatar. They, they can control like one element each, except for the main character who can control them all, and she's also kind of psychic with her friend and can kill people. And... Yeah, because she's got special magic. She has spirit magic, Christian. She she's not like other girls she's not i i also think like i was trying to figure out why everyone
0: bullied her in this and i think at the end they like reference it like was it because she didn't declare a magic
1: i guess it was like she was the odd one out she was the weirdo that wasn't good at anything because she was like a little bit good at everything but the 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 twist then is that if you don't declare a magic you start to go insane which was something that wait was that what that was yeah, because Claire Foy's character also hadn't declared a magic, and after, like, that's that was the one big secret that Zoe oh. Deutsch kept finding on the recordings was that, like, she was slowly going crazy.
0: I thought that was because they were spirit magic users that that type of magic caused them to go crazy.
1: Ne- well, I guess that's that might be part of it, but it's the spirit magic people that, that can't, like, get a handle on any of the elements individually.
0: Hmm. I will say this movie made me think that this was based off like either an anime or a manga or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it it there's a lot of world building that happens and it doesn't happen in the most graceful of ways, I will say. Um, at about the, <laughs> at about the 10 minute mark, you get an exposition dump, the likes of which the world has never seen. You get a full encyclopedia entry on all of the different kinds of vampires there there are complete with the words being like flashed across the screen, just, just so they want to make sure that you're still with us. And it's,
0: Christian, at one point there's a Royal Family Primer. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they go they go deep. They're like, here, check out this family tree. Huh. So this is not a strong movie. I will admit that readily. But that being said, I unironically and unapologetically love this movie. I never wanted it to end, and I wanted them to make so many more. We were the opposite. I was like, Oh my god, how did this movie get? Made? <laughs> Dude, <laughs>
0: within the first 30 seconds of this movie i was like this is terrible the the acting (laughs) in it was like it got better as it went on but the first scene was uh what's her name zoe dutch and um whoever lucy fry talking to each other and like every line was so stiff and it's not how people (laughs) talk like it'd be like line and then response line response like there was no time for like a line to breathe or anything it just seemed like they were reading it off of a script it was so bad
1: yeah so i i don't know i i agree that the writing is not amazing that the writing and the, sounds
0: like it's a suburban white girls fan fiction of going to vampire school
1: i'm sure that that is almost exactly <laughs> what it is <laughs> um i think that 99 of the reason i love this movie is because of zoe deutsch's character Uh, I, I think Zoe Deutsch as a person can do no wrong in any movie that she is in, this one included, and I, I can tell that the one-liners and the sarcastic humor is super forced, and it's stiff, and it's stilted, but they still make me laugh almost every single time. I don't, I don't know what it is.
0: The exact opposite. I felt like she's supposed (laughs) to be, like, the gruff bodyguard. But I feel like the way you do that is especially if like it's a, a female playing it is how Rosa D or sorry how Stephanie Beatriz Beatriz did it as Rosa Diaz on Brooklyn 9. Like Zoe Dutch just sounded like she was quipping, but like, like they should have been like Spider-Man quips with like some sort of levity, but it was like her being deadly serious, which just did not fit the tone <laughs> of like what the quips were.
1: Oh man. How How did you feel about the fact that they tried to pair Zoe Deutsch, who's playing what I assume is a (laughs) 17-year-old, with Dimitri, who looked like he was roughly 1600?
0: Yeah, I don't remember if I talked to you about this on, on like, a podcast or if it had just been separately, but I talked to you about Licorice Pizza. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, my biggest problem, one of my big problems with that movie was, like, they were like, yeah, it's totally fine for a 25-year-old woman to be hanging out with, like, a 15-year-old boy. <laughs> uh, no, and I feel that way about this one, where even if she's 17, she's a high school student, and yes, they're, like, I totally get that, like, they can play the angle of, oh, like, the 17-year-old girl's crushing on this 28-year-old man who looks like he's 40, um, but then there's, like, a full-on makeout scene, and I was just like, this is, uh, this is uncomfortable, and I know that there was a love potion involved, but it was just, it was weird.
1: Yeah, I don't know how old his character is supposed to be. I don't I think, know if they think say
0: it. I or 27. They mentioned like, I think there's oh, a ten year difference. They mentioned it somewhere in there, and I just,
1: I didn't take the note on the actual difference. I mean, he aged like he was fighting Strigoi every single day then, because... He, yeah, if you would have told me that he was like a Romanian vampire from like the 1400s, I would have been like, yeah, I believe at 100%. In reality, they're only 10 years apart. Uh, She was born in, I think, 94 and he was born in 84, 85. But uh, he, yeah, he looked like a whole adult who was like getting ready to retire. And that entire subplot was really weird. I cannot believe they tried to kind of get away with that.
0: They de-aged him with that ponytail, Christian, one that that's old wears the ponytail like that. That's right. <laughs> that was, I mean, of the things I had an issue with, that was also up there, especially because <laughs> at, at the very least his character was like, no, this is wrong. But then at the end he's like, yes, I'm giving in to it. It's like, no, no, you have the right <laughs> message the whole time. Like, you shouldn't be banging a high school student, dude. Yeah, very weird. Uh, also, an interesting choice. I, I don't think it's bad or not. I was actually excited to see her in this. Was Sarah highland was playing the Ugly Duckling, which is hilarious because she's yeah a very attractive person, which <laughs> is a like weird she's choice. Never looked in a mirror, right? <laughs> she's like, well, she, I mean,
1: she can't. She's a vampire. <laughs> oh, bad! <man. laughs> you haven't known That's... here about all the weird, like just the crazy cast that is in here yeah, this, has, this movie has some big names. So Zoe Deutsch wasn't a huge name at the time. She was in Beautiful Creatures before this, which is <laughs> another movie that is based on supernatural like YA fiction that I I really liked when I saw it in the theater. I remember leaving Beautiful Creatures thinking, like, that was not as bad as people said it was. And it came to Netflix, and I think I almost suggested it for the podcast at one point, and I, I rewatched it. To, to see like oh does it hold up and oh oh no it's maybe the like the least held up movie I've ever revisited um, but so she was in that she had a she was like a secondary antagonist but she's been in bigger things since then She's she's been in Zombieland she's in two seasons of a Netflix original called The Politician I think it's called with Ben Platt uh, but like big big names Olga Kirilenko is in this Sarah Hyland who you just said Claire Foy who has now been the queen for like three years on the crown, and Gabriel Byrne, who is like a multi-time Tony Award nominee.
0: I have no he's who, like, a, Who was he in this?
1: He was the old man. He was, he was okay. the, I mean, spoilers, he was the primary antagonist. Um, but yeah, he like he's a big name from like the 80s and 90s. I When he came on screen that first time, I was like, are you kidding?
0: Needed a paycheck.
1: I guess. Uh, do I do want to ask you about this because
0: I could not follow... Was the principal just a red herring then the whole time? Like, she wasn't a bad person?
1: I guess. She was, like, the mean girl who, like, never grew out of that, and now she's just in charge. And then paid other students to harass another student?
0: <laughs> I guess, yeah. I like that whole part about, like i actually think the weakest part of this movie which is going into this i thought would be done really well and i would like the most was the high school like drama part because i love mean girls but it was just weird to me on this one maybe it's because i'm old now and it's just weird thinking about (laughs)
1: high schoolers banging but parts were hard to follow just because i think a lot of the high school drama like you had said kind of pivots around the fact that everyone hates these two girls, but it's never really clear why.
0: Yeah, like, the one girl who she hates is, like, just banging these two other guys to help harass her, and the reason was because her brother did... was more popular than her or something?
1: Like, it was... Well, no, she she had dated the brother at some point before he died. That's right, because she knew the cat. Yeah, it was never clear, like, I, I don't know, it's... It, it's never, like, said, oh, he cheated on me, so now he's dead and I'm gonna make your life hell instead. It's it's just kind of like, we were dating, and now he's dead, so I have to be mean to you for... <laughs> it, 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 yeah, I feel like in the books maybe that got explored more and they just ran out of screen time to deal with it. They, they were like, the the Gabriel Byrne stuff's more important.
0: Dude, there is one line because I follow the vampire, like, stuff more or less, okay, but the high school stuff was all over the place, and I think it's supposed to be, like, somewhat of a mystery. You're, like, trying to figure out who's actually trying to get to the princess or whatever. Uh, But there was a line for the high school stuff that was, at this point, I can't remember who loves us or who hates us, and that was (laughs) such an accurate line for that movie at that point because they were going to that final dance, and I was like, yeah, I have no idea where everyone stands because she, like, used her powers to make everyone like her at one point but then everyone also hated them again it was I
1: just could not follow that at all did you pick up there is a point where Zoe Deutsch's character literally walks up to I think it's the redhead she walks up to him and like says hello and he just looks at her and says don't change the subject <laughs> I mean I didn't note that but it's it's the beginning of the conversation like there was nothing happening before that.
0: My line about that redheaded guy is he has major nice guy vibes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he did, but he came through in the end, kind of. Yeah, he's
0: like, I just got these guys to admit that they killed your <laughs> fox or something.
1: Like, oh, man. So the the big conflict in this, then, is that Gabriel Byrne is like an old... Oh, know, boy. He's, this... he's like a vampire that has a degenerative illness or something, which makes not a lot of sense i guess it's it's just a vampire disease that they never really address but you have a
0: whole thing about like what him being a villain makes absolutely no sense (laughs) after you explain this
1: he he walks he well he kidnaps the princess and then his deal is like i'm going to hold you captive and you're gonna have to keep healing me forever because this illness is chronic like you can't just get rid of it
0: And he he tortures her with the most dangerous vampire they have named Kenneth. (laughs) (laughs) Kenneth the Vamp. Who used wind to do something to her
1: that (laughs) apparently tortured her. It looked like he was blowing wind on her. Well, that's when they said he's our our deadliest air user, and I was so sure it was going to be like... What's his name in Chorus season three? Right, where he like pulls the air out of her lungs, but yeah, it's like he's just blowing into her (laughs) ear, which is admittedly gross and weird, (laughs) but like I don't think it would get me to. (laughs) If somebody came up and just blew in my ear in a very particular way, I don't think I'd be like, oh, I give up.
0: Like, whatever, like I'm sure in the book they're like, he does this with the air, whatever, but whatever they tried to represent, did not translate to the screen.
1: (laughs) was just like did you forget effects like what is going on here oh man yeah that was that was strange
0: we have not we
1: also haven't mentioned that this entire thing takes place in montana yeah that was gonna be my one last notice they're in montana why does everyone have a british accent Every single person, because at some point they say like, "Oh, they," because at the beginning they've run away from the the school and they ran to like Portland, Oregon,
0: and everyone's like, "Oh my God, what's it like on the outside of Portland?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I guess maybe you explain this a little bit. Then the main bad guy was like, you need to cure me, and I couldn't just ask for it, even though it seemed like she cured him pretty quickly. You think it's a chronic thing where she'd have to do it continuously?
1: That's what he had said, was that it It requires, like, constant treatment. So it was basically like he was going to use her, like, a battery until she was all gone. But you
0: think there would be some compromise there where it's like, oh, I don't have to kill one of my friend's children. She could heal me <laughs> when we need to. I don't know. It, I, I actually called him being the bad guy about halfway through the movie with Sarah Highland and I was like, they seem too good of
1: friends, like they're definitely the bad guys. And yeah, they were. I, I had assumed that he would just because he's got the look, but I the Sarah Highland twist did surprise me the first time.
0: Yeah. I also like she was so bullied, uh that it's like, yeah, I'm gonna turn on my only friends for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> like even the queen hated the princess. Yeah, and that was part of my question. I said, why no one liked her? Like, They were mad she went to live in the human world or something? Like, do vampires not live in the human world? Who knows? That's yeah, that's I... the one
1: thing. They they do so much, like, glossary-style world building, but they don't really show anything outside of the Academy after, like, the first five minutes. Everything is just inside, say, whatever. And... Uh, so yeah, you don't really get a glimpse of what vampires are like out in the world.
0: Yeah, except the evil ones are evil, that's all we know. The strigoi. Well, we got that big cliffhanger ending for this for the second one. They were uh they were pretty confident on getting a second movie with that that ending of showing all of the strigoi.
1: Perhaps they should not have been.
0: <laughs> so that that actually leads us into this one, Christian. So uh, Mark Waters was so eager to give the franchise a second chance, like he believed in this. Uh, they would have named it Vampire Academy Frostbite. Great but it name. Performed, <laughs> it performed so poorly that the studio owned, owned it, uh, Prager Entertainment. They only agreed to fund the film if he could raise uh, $1.5 million from fans. And so he ran an Indiegogo campaign and made $254,000. And then they shut the project down.
1: That's brutal. It's like one-sixth of what they needed.
0: So this movie's
1: budget was...
0: Was thirty million dollars and his box office was fifteen point four million, and that's why the <laughs> studio was like, "We're not going to fund another movie unless you can get like a tenth of the operating expenses."
1: Oh my god! Yeah, they they lost half their money.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I haven't heard of Prager Entertainment before. Like, I'm I'm, I'm guessing that if they're smaller, like losing fifteen million dollars isn't something <laughs> that they can they can take the hit on as easily as some of the bigger studios no do you know how this was uh, how, how critics responded to this one Christian <laughs> yes
1: so uh, no one agrees with me basically is is the, the bottom line the critic score on this was 16% on Rotten Tomatoes which is catastrophically bad the audience score is a little better at 55% I think that's I think that's soft that's sad
0: I think that's way too high for the audience for. Oh, my gosh. I, I mean, I think they're closer to you in agreeing. Like, 55% of the people who have seen
1: this have liked it, which blows my mind. So, <laughs> I am on Prager Entertainment's website right now. And under it, I, it looks like a website that was made in maybe the late 90s, but it has a copyright at the bottom from 2013, but I don't think it's been updated since. Uh, Under featured projects, it has... The first one is Vampire Academy. The second one is called Day of the Triffids, which I have never heard of. And the third is called Village of the Damned, which I think I've heard of. But those last two look like, just based on the cover art that they came out in maybe the early 90s. Yeah, dude, they are a small... uh... There is nothing else on this page. It is just those three movies. So yeah, I don't I don't think they had fifteen thousand or 15 million dollars to lose.
0: I wonder if they put a lot of their budget into getting these rights and they're like, alright. Like <laughs> we, we can do this. We're gonna capitalize on Oh, this is actually the one thing I wanted to point out as that I was just like, this is a bold move by this movie. Is at one point, they're like, vampires aren't like your normal Twilight vampires or something. like They basically threw shade at Twilight while oh, doing yeah. a Twilight rip-off. They say Which they don't sparkle. Sh- yeah, it's like shade at yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Christian, would you recommend our audience check this one out?
1: A thousand percent, yes.
0: I'm, I'm going to go the exact opposite and say... <laughs> No, but I feel like if you've listened to us talk about this and you side more with Christian, you're more likely to like this. This is, this is clearly like I'm not their demographic on this one. <laughs> I, I, I could not, I think, be farther from it. Um, <laughs> this feels like teenage fan fiction to me, and I did not care for it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Most of the time, movies like this just rub me the wrong way, and I don't know. This one landed. I, I don't get it, but I, I'm into it. <laughs>
0: All right, now quickly moving into books. I recently finished the new Fifty Two run of Hawk and Dove, which is only eight issues. I had my only uh, interactions with Hawk and Dove before this were on their characters on Teen Titans. I don't, I don't know, Christian. Do you know who Hawk and Dove are? Nope. They're like this. I don't even know if they'd be B tier, like like they had their own series, I guess, for the New Fifty Two. But they're a lower level hero team that. They have like the uh, spirit of war goes in Hawk and like the spirit of peace is in the character Dove, so they have like mm. superhero powers or whatever. They originally started out, I think, as two brothers, but the newer renditions are like Dove's a woman and Hawk's a dude. I don't, and they're like at least in Teen Titans they were dating at one point, and this one they were like frenemies kind of. I mean, they're friend, they weren't friends, but they were working together. I don't know. It was okay. A lot of the stuff I'd read online was like this is one of the worst new fifty-two series. And honestly I thought it was just I I don't, like I would put it at C tier. Like it was pretty much middle of the road. I some of the other stuff I read I thought was way worse than this. Like it was inoffensive. Um the <laughs> well, art good. Yeah, like, right like some of these I read I was like, oh man, that's just bad. Um The Art in this is by Rob Liefeld who if you don't know is like famous for nineties like marvel x-men stuff he put pouches Hmm. on everyone you you have definitely seen his art somewhere like it was iconic for a while but his art is like his art's definitely from an earlier time and it's very obvious when he pens a comic because it's just not up to the standards of other things like he did uh some of the issues in the deathstroke new like deathstroke's first series in the new 52 and like when he took over it was definitely like a weaker series for it But it's fine. I mean, they just fight other villains who have similar powers to them, and then it ends after eight issues because it wasn't selling very well, and it just kind of ends. And then I don't know if you hear from them again (laughs) in the the DC comic universe, like, what their next appearance is. Yeah. One that I don't know if I'm talking about that I'm, like, halfway through that I'm reading is Captain Atom, and it's actually fantastic. It's a weird take on, like... DC has this issue where they bought a bunch of like other owned like other comic studios so they have their characters and like there's the Blackhawks and I think Captain Atom like was one of these guys who got pulled in who was like another hero and he's basically Dr. Manhattan. Oh boy. But he has his humanity so it's like this one is like if Dr. Manhattan actually had humanity and was like trying to figure out how to live in with the world while being able to like reshape it and stuff so it's actually pretty interesting and and well done so that one has been probably one of the better ones i've read but i'm only maybe halfway through it so far uh what about you it looks like you're starting to read a book
1: yeah i'm starting a book called to kill a kingdom um i don't think i'm the target demographic for this but uh me and a couple friends uh picked it out at the bookstore a few months back and decided we were all gonna read it so we could discuss it and uh i'm like a page in and man It's gonna be tough. I don't know. I'm not expecting too much.
0: Is it a fantasy series?
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's like young, young adult fantasy.
0: Oh, okay. Did you you, did you buy it in a bookstore, Christian?
1: Yeah, somebody. One of the three of us just kind of grabbed it off the shelf and was like, "There's three copies of this," and we were all like, "Okay."
0: Well, so you know, it's been
1: it's been sitting on my shelf for I'm gonna say nine months.
0: Oh wow! So you thought this a while ago then. Uh, well, Christian, you're not one of the reasons
1: that bookstore revenues have dropped significantly since their <laughs> peak in 2007. Uh, no, probably not. I've I've got a whole bunch of books that I bought and will probably never read. Yeah,
0: did you? I, I found this, and I, sh- I think is crazy. Since 2007, uh, bookstores have lost nearly 40 to 45 percent of their revenue, which Holy is crap. insane. After we had, like, those uh, heartwarming stories about book sales increasing over the past two weeks, they drop this one, then it's just like, oh man, <laughs> from their peak, a uh, dire situation. Yeah. I, th- I think they said Borders closed or something, which was, like, a big hit to them, because mm. now you have, what, Barnes & Noble, and around here is Books A Million. I don't know any other yeah. national chains.
1: Yeah, man, I hadn't even realized Borders had shuttered. Yeah, I just assumed they left in the area. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Okay, so I'm going to to do this kind of with the um, disclaimer that you have to push through the the top line description of this. Um, but this is a show about a world post pandemic, not the pandemic we're currently experiencing in real life, but a a super flu that kills 99% of the world, basically. Civilization falls apart, and now it centers around these characters around Lake Michigan, both in the days immediately after the collapse, and then 20 years later. And so, I, I know a lot of people, and I know you had said this too when we talked about it last week, are very put off by the like, pandemic-y nature of the, the source material. And I get that. I'm I'm a confrontational person, so I was into it, but uh, I want to say at the top that this does take place in the setting of a civilization ending plague, but the show spends very, very little time on the disease itself. It's a flu, it kills fast, it kills indiscriminately, and that's basically all we know. You never really see anybody sick with it. It's just it's kind of like background and set dressing almost because the show is much more about the people and it's also not walking dead right it's it's not a zombie movie first of all Uh, but it's not that kind of dark and broody and gross showcase of the worst of humanity it's a much lighter show and it's about much lighter themes. I think that's why the people who have pushed through the pandemic y stuff have it's really, really resonated with them. And me included. Like this when I finished this, this show's immediately shot basically into the top five TV shows of, of mine of all time. Like this is some of the best television I've ever seen.
0: It, would you classify this as a drama? Like how would you categorize this?
1: Yeah, it's it would definitely be drama. Like it's Dumb. it's it has a couple horror aspects in like episodes one and three like the the episodes that do kind of feature the disease and like the immediate ramifications there those are the episodes where the people are kind of living through it but on the whole this is much more about the connections that people have made after the fact
0: okay so this is is like character driven or theme driven
1: A little of both uh it's so the title of the show station 11 is based on a fictional graphic novel in the world um which is also called station 11 and it's written by a woman who's trying to process a loss from her childhood the novel itself then is about a character who's trying to process loss of some kind though you never really find out exactly what the novel is about it's kind of like a not a MacGuffin, but it's like almost like a sacred text to the people that survived a couple of them. But you never get like the complete story. Uh, but then it's being read in the show by people who are trying to process the loss of basically the entire world as they knew it, and it's being watched by us, and we're obviously going through the loss of you know a hundred thousand, hundreds of thousands of people, and so it's it's that it's about kind of the the idea of what we take into the future with us and the ideals that come with them. One character is trying to build a museum to the past. Basically, uh, one character is trying to push past the, the before that they, as they call it. And like only, only the future is important because the before was corrupt. And then the, the main group that we spend the most amount of time with is the traveling symphony. And so they go from place to place performing Shakespeare and just trying to celebrate the arts and it's it's great so it's, it's about kind of the place of the arts in society and the way the communities need art to thrive and the the people that you meet along the way and i i really i can't i can't recommend it enough i'm in the middle of a second watch i'm basically right where i was last week when i talked about it
0: uh, so I, I'm guessing you strongly recommend this one then.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I would recommend this to anyone. Like this, this is something that everybody could find something in. Not in a <laughs> not in a jokey Vampire Academy way, but in like a this. This is truly a brilliant, remarkable piece of media, and I like. I'm gonna be revisiting this a lot in the the years going forward. Uh, I guess the only other thing I w- I would say is that it is just a limited series, so you don't have to worry about getting too like time sucked in it's it's 10 hour long episodes and i can't imagine that they would make another season of it
0: and it's on hbo max hbo yeah so christian other things uh that have come out recently or somewhat recently that i'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on because i have not really been able to watch any of them yet (laughs) uh and i don't know if i actually want to but <laughs> tiger king got a season two which is crazy to me uh have yeah. you watched any of that
1: i did not tiger king was season one pandemic we're in season three now and i am not interested in it anymore
0: it's one of those where i kind of want to know what's it about because i think but it's like six hour long episodes and i don't think i have six episodes in me because Joe Exotic's still in jail like i don't know what yeah. they're going to go over
1: the 10 episodes of season one i feel like was already too many
0: yeah and they had like the post stuff like i think that released at the perfect time when the pandemic hit mm-hmm. because if if that came out like two months before i don't know if it was a sensation it was. <laughs> right even though he is a character <laughs> another thing that came out that i was curious because i we talked about season one uh too hot to handle i think has season three out now mm-hmm. or something like that just it, came out keep a up? week
1: or two ago yeah I did not watch this. So we this was another thing that was like season one pandemic for me. This was like early days. Everybody's stuck inside. We got me and my friends got real sucked into reality TV. Like the Netflix original, like dating ones. Yeah, what was the
0: Twitter or the dating game one you got into? Well,
1: we got into the circle, which I still love. Circle, there's okay. there's three seasons of that now too, which are all pretty good. Uh, but now see when season two of Too Hot to Handle came out, we everybody got at least my group, got all excited, like, oh, we, we watched the whole first season in one sitting, let's fire up season two, let's get it going. We made it maybe two episodes in, and we were all kind of like, is anyone enjoying this? No? <laughs> so, I, I yeah, we, we didn't even make it that far into season two. I couldn't believe when season three came out, so somebody's watching this, but it's not me.
0: I mean, I feel like reality TV has a huge audience. I just tend not to be the target for it so it's hard for me to gauge um even though you know like I got I watched I used to watch a lot more than I do now like RuPaul's Drag Race and Survivor and stuff but I've fallen off since the pandemic hit yeah uh watching those because I was like a group show like you had talked about watching with people and people moved and stuff
1: yeah and also like
0: RuPaul's really hard to watch now like it was on exclusively streaming on Peacock for a season it has like shows all over the world it's it's too much of a pain now to watch yeah. actually yeah Uh, The final one that I saw that I watched the first five minutes of and was very underwhelmed with was (laughs) How I Met Your Mother got a sequel, I don't know, a spiritual sequel called How I Met Your Father, which is just the same premise, but it takes place in 2022. And I was going to finish the first episode, but I haven't yet. It was bad. I did not enjoy it.
1: I found out about this and this is one of those things that I may have just memory hold like I knew it once and then forgot that I ever knew I got a Twitter advertisement for how I met your father like two weeks ago and I was flabbergasted I could not believe it existed it seems i I don't know like what I I
0: liked how I met your mother um I didn't really watch it when it came out I ended up watching it like halfway through its run and then uh, I think I finished like it happened to be like a season or two before it ended. So I watched the last season on Netflix in like 2013 or 2014 or like sometimes soon after it had come out. Mm -hmm. And even then I was like, I really liked how I met your mother, but the last season was kind of meh. And then I I rewatched the, I don't know if I rushed the entire series or just part of it a couple years ago. And it was not as good as I remembered it being like, there are definitely parts I liked. And I think, the strongest part about that show is the characters, mm-hmm. um, but it it didn't really hold up to me. And then in this one, I mean, I did not care. I never cared for like the main character Ted that much, <laughs> but like the supporting cast was good on this one. I didn't run into anyone who was selling me on the show in the first five minutes, so I kind of bounced. I, I'm probably <laughs> going to give it the full amount of time, but I just from how it started, I'm guessing that it's not going to sit with me. Like, it, it's weird watching a sitcom with a laugh track i don't know like the last time i actually watched something with a laugh track was
1: yeah agreed i was thinking about that not that long ago too and i think probably in context of how i met your mother because that's uh, like you that's a, a show that i think about revisiting a lot and then i think about a lot of what i remember from it and i'm like you know i don't think it's gonna hold up and so i've i haven't watched how i met your mother in years but that's that is probably the last thing that I remember watching that had a laugh track with it,
0: right? Like at least like of a, a new show. Like of course, if you watch like eighty sitcoms or whatever, they're I guess they're in front of a live studio audience a lot of the time, though. Um, but yeah, it was just I don't know. I, I no number one, I cannot believe. I guess I can believe they made a sequel like this. Like they had boy meets or girl meets world. Like it, it is the era of redoing old shows but with like a different take of the gendered main character um but even that made more sense to me because it was like the main characters from boy meets world's daughter like there is a through line to it on this one i don't think there's any relation to how i met your mother other than the idea of a mom telling her kids how she met their father in like a flashback scenario
1: yeah well that's what i was gonna ask i mean i guess you didn't make it far enough in but if you knew if uh any of the old characters made cameos anywhere?
0: I don't. I don't know. I would be kind of surprised if they do because at least in the first scene, it doesn't look like they're related in any way. Uh, they don't even like go to the same bar or anything. It's like a different bar they're referencing, and it's like a lot of the jokes seem forced and kind of like that's not a great joke. Um, you know, like, in the, the first segment, is like, jokes about Tinder and blah, blah, and I don't know. Like, they're in an Uber instead of Ranjit being the cab driver. It's, like, things that clearly <laughs> they're taking inspiration from from How I Met Your Mother, but... Yeah. I feel like if you're going to do that, you should either use the same things, or you need to get into a fresher direction. Not just, like, be like, okay, they hung at a bar, let's change the bar's name. Not oh, they bad. were in cabs a lot, let's make it an Uber. Like, it, it just didn't seem... The best. And also, like, I'm wondering if they're going to do, like, beat for beat, like, the first episode, which was, like, Ted going on a date with Robin, and I'm, like, I want to watch it just to see if at the end, they're like, and that's How I Met Your Uncle Dan, or something like that, you know?
1: (laughs) That'd be wild. Just a a shot-for-shot remake of all nine seasons.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, if it was, it'd be... (laughs) Like, like, what what made How I Met Your Mother so popular, I think, was number one was neil patrick harris was yeah. very like people loved him and on the rewatch like he's still funny but a lot of like Bernie stinson's antics are like oh man that is actually weird now i'm looking <laughs> at, at that as an adult not a 20 year old yeah the, the uh, 2020
1: <laughs> goggles that's that's one of the things on that i keep thinking like do i want to go back and revisit this uh <laughs> very bizarre problematic character
0: Right, and, and then, like, people like Marshall and Lily were, like, well, Marshall for me, but, like, people liked the characters a lot. In this one, it's hard to recreate that magic. Like, I don't think the premise of the show is what made people love it. Like, they liked the characters. Yeah. Well, so, I'm, we'll I mean, I,
1: I had said I'm in the middle of my Buffy rewatch, and one of the characters, like, I, f- I think Xander was one of my favorite characters in early seasons when I watched this back when I was a kid. And he is intolerable. <laughs> like isn't i'm watching worst. it now it's... and every single time he has a line of dialogue i'm like uh isn't it the worst like rewatching
0: something you used to like and then being like i don't like this
1: anymore like i still like most of it it's just yeah, my yeah, well, but... my opinion of that character in particular is not good <laughs> i started
0: to re uh, we'll see how far i get into it but i'm Number, well, I started rewatching a couple of things. Futurama, I started again, oh, and wow. oh my god, that show's better than I remember. being <laughs> so good. Um, but I've been on like a Fox, like I don't know, sitcom ish kick kick because I want to. I kind of want to do The Simpsons. But I I watched the first pilot of Married with Children, which I I remember really liking Married with Children growing up. But oh my god, the first the pilot episode was rough to watch. I'm curious if it actually gets better or not.
1: Hmm. Well, if you're doing, just if you're doing sorry. Fox sitcoms, New Girl's leaving Netflix in April.
0: I made it two seasons into that again and <laughs> fell off. I don't I just feel like New Girl is not for me. I've uh, given it the college try.
1: It's my favorite comedy.
0: I, I like I like it for the most part, but maybe I feel like if I had been watching that when it aired, like weekly, I would have kept watching it. But now that I don't do that anymore, like I just can't binge it. Right. I mean, I have shows that I legitimately love that I need to finish, and I have not like, I'm still going to watch season <laughs> four of The Good Place. Oh, man, yeah. And I love The Good Place. I'm just really bad at watching TV. We are totally just getting off topic here, but I also watched the first <laughs> two episodes of Peacemaker, which I don't know if you watched or not. It's awesome. I have not. Uh, I'm not going to go into it. I'll wait till I watch the whole thing, but it is fits right in with the Suicide Squad movie and John I, Cena in it is hilarious
1: I saw it was on HBO but anytime I, I go on HBO it's like do you want to keep watching Station Eleven and I say yes I do <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening, guys. If you'd like to contact us, we are at Gambots Network on Twitter, or you can email us at gambots.blog at gmail.com. Also, we have a website now if you want to check that out. That's gambotsnetwork.com. And finally, if you're listening to somewhere where you can rate and subscribe, we'd appreciate it as that does help with marketing. Thanks for tuning in, guys.
1: Thank you. Thank you.